Good morning. Yeah. The first time that came up, I was already on my way up. Pastor Rich was saying, wait, 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 wait. And this time it's finishing. I'm still not out of my seat. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's choose joy and be glad in it. It is an honor for me to stand before you today and to, to share um, in this worship experience. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to, to be here and to share with you all. Um, just an amazing day, amazing morning, and it's just an, an amazing moment in my life. It's an amazing moment in the life of my family. And um, for those of you all who I reached out to um, either yesterday or Friday, I can't remember, and you're here, you honor me by being here today uh, because that's a part of what God is doing in my life and in my spirit right now. Um, and you honor me. Um, I want to say uh, a shout out to my brother, my friend, our pastors, Rich and Donna Brown, for just being amazing, amazing people. Um, I said in the first service, when I came here two years ago, I was a broken man. I looked like everybody else. I kind of moved around like everybody else, but I wasn't like everybody else. Something inside of me was broken. It was lost. Um, it was lost. And I was telling Pastor Rich what was going on in my life, and he said, man, just come and, and sit. Just come and be. Just come and worship. Just come and hear. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. And so that formula, if you will, was the beginning of today. If, if he didn't see me in that way at that time, I wouldn't be standing here today because I had lost something that was very central to what it means for me to be me. I had lost my confidence in God. If you've ever believed God strongly for something in your life, something in your circumstances, something in your reality, and then you pursue after that thing, and it doesn't come to fulfillment, you may never say it with your mouth, but something inside of you dies. And as Pastor Rich and I were talking between services, the reality is it's a slow death. It's a slow death. And so the last month or so, my family and I have been on what I call a pilgrimage, a, a journey that started on about July the 3rd and ended on July the 23rd. And that led us to Orlando, Florida at the Every Nation Church World Conference, and we just kept saying humorously, come to Orlando and see the world. And we did. And we did. And it began with worship. It was worship that began the fulfilling of God's healing in my soul, because what I was pursuing that I thought was the will of God was the world. That's why we did what we did and to have our hearts broken and to have our souls so distorted by that experience. 
to be in the healing process, which is what we are in right now. We're beginning to heal, as Pastor Rich prophesied and spoke over us, that just come, sit, be, worship, and heal. And maybe I'll offer that to some, somebody today. Today is the realization of two years of healing and 22 years of a relationship. And that's a precious gift to me. To my bride, Kimberly, she's out there somewhere. I can or can't see her. I don't know. The lights are bright. I know she's here. My great friend and supporter, Grace Point, uh, Pastor Suzette and Allison and Mia. You remember in our prayer group, when we don't participate in our church disciplines, we lose. But in our prayer group in January of 2018, it was the five of us. And, and God gave me my best friend through that week of prayer. It was my wife. And so that too, GPC gave me. And to my brothers, I said earlier, we meet on Wednesday mornings, sometimes ready, most times not. <laughs> but we all there, and Pastor Rich is, is very generous with us and gracious and just keeps exhorting us to keep moving forward. You are an amazing group of men, and uh, I've learned so much from you being around you, watching you, and showing up is the deal consistently that, that does something for me. And to Grace Point Church, a place where I've learned where I don't have to be anything but me. That blesses me. I don't have to be anything, anyone but me. And so starting out on that back row of chairs right there, remember it was all different. And to be out that back row and crying when y'all were rejoicing and sitting when y'all were standing and believing, you know what I'm saying? Y'all were believing and I was doubting. And now to be sitting right there today, to come out of that room, room one where we were in, and Pastor Rich gave me the space to go in there and just be still and know that he is God. And it all started with worship and it was released through a word. And now I have the witness of what our God who sees in private is what he said, can demonstrate in public. I am honored to be here. There's a word in Philippians 4 that I want to share with you to frame this idea. We're in a series, Overcoming Baggage. Overcoming Baggage. And so Pastor Rich started with these ideas of uncertainty, and I think David did worthless, and we went to guilt and we addiction on last week and offense, all of these elements in our lives. Is there a brick in here, Pastor? Yeah. It's all right, somebody put it there. Okay, because I sure forgot last service. <laughs> and I just remember, he always pulls a brick out and says how heavy it is, and I didn't want to lift it up, so <laughs> I was going to have a voluntold come up here <laughs> and get this brick from me. And, um, and so now we're dealing with loneliness loneliness and, and what that actually means. And loneliness is a product of self-interest. I didn't say that in the previous service. But loneliness is the process of pursuing 
self-interest. And so the word says in Philippians 4 and 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. I'm going to read that again. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that you have created for us. What an amazing worship experience. Thank you for those precious sons and daughters who love you through their service of others. Bless them, God. Enrich their lives as they have poured out of themselves for the benefit of all. We honor you for this amazing house that is, that is pursuing the spirit of excellence in all that we do in our words and more importantly in our actions, in our planning, in our organizing, all of the things that we do, Father, that you may be known in this space in 79602 and beyond. We love you for first loving us and for placing the mantle of reconciliation upon our lives. May the eyes of our understanding today be enlightened that we might know the hope to which we have already been called, that we might experience the richness of the inheritance you have in those who believe and the exceptional working of your power to transform us and your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Education Education is, is a twofold process. It is, it is both that which we have been exposed to and that which we experience. What we have been exposed to and what we experience. In other words, theologians call it the observational experience. There has to be something that draws us into a learning space that happens. We see something, we think something, we feel something, we do something. In other words, there is no learning if there is no action. James, James would say it in this way, that, that faith without works is dead. So it is an observational experience. I, I begin to, early on in life, I just begin to model and mimic what I see and what I hear. And how many of you all know it's, it's easier to do something than to say something? I mean, a child can walk before they can talk. So, so the doing has to come, but, but it, it has to be paralleled with something that is strategically and consistently shaping and reshaping its ability not to observe, but to reproduce. Well, that happens in us when Jesus says this in Matthew 16 and 24, if anyone will come after me, you must first deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
So education is both uh, what I said earlier, an observation, um, essentially something that I am exposed to, but then eventually and essentially an experience. I said in the first service that you can't know love until you give love. Until you give love, it's just an idea. Until you give love, it's just a great thought. Until you give love, it's just something that stimulates your mind, your cognitive pieces. But the cognition must give away to contemplation. Well, what does this mean? Love requires action. God so loved the world that he did something. He didn't just think something. He didn't just believe something. He didn't just desire something. He had to do something. And it was in the doing that we realized love is action. Pastor Rich shared a eulogy on yesterday for our beloved brother Booker. And he called him, I just called it the DNA of a fulfilled life. That's, that's how I think, Pastor. I know that ain't what you said, but that's how I see it. <laughs> that DNA has three strands, and so the DNA of a fulfilled life begins with compassion manifested in humility that shows up consistently as faithfulness. And so in this man, we saw a model of a man who demonstrated those qualities to our pastor that when he came to this church over 20 years ago as a broken, discouraged man, this dear brother and friend said to him, you're the man. You may not see it, you may not think it, you may not believe it, but you're the man. And he continued to encourage him to walk in the fulfillment and the fullness of what God had designed for his life. And here he is. And so now I am the recipient of the grace and gift of a brother who didn't just love in word, but in indeed. That DNA was ministered to me and my family two years ago. Come. Sit, be, worship, heal. It is an observational experience. And Jesus says, love acts and it'll never die. And that has to matter to all of us. I conclude, therefore, being reconciled to God, that all things are of God now. who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding our trespasses against us, and has given us the word of reconciliation. Now we are ambassadors. That is 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. That to really experience the life that God has called for us, there is a, a process that we have to navigate through that essentially brings us to the point of death. It essentially brings us to the point to where 
I'm not really a Kirk Franklin fan, but I started singing a Kirk Franklin song last week as I was preparing for the message. I almost gave up. I felt like I just couldn't take life anymore. You see what I'm saying? Anybody been there? That's a hard place, but check me out. That's a place you have to go by yourself. And the reason why you have to go there by yourself is so you can understand yourself. When we got people around us, they become a distraction. And so I start looking at your life and looking what you have and looking what you do and looking what you say. I'm watching you. I ain't looking at me. And so I'm walking through this very difficult, lonely space. And God reminds me, you might be lonely, but you ain't alone. And I had to realize what that voice was saying to me. So this morning, I'm going to give you two examples of how I think this process happens and what the antidote is. It's one thing me go to the doctor and say, I got problems. That's called a diagnosis. I don't go to the doctor just for the diagnosis, although I need it. I want the prognosis. Well, doc, based upon this, what we going to do? Don't just tell me I'm sick. I want to know how to get well. Is that anybody in the house today? All we do is talk about you're sick, you're sick, you're sick. I got that part. I got that part. I'm, I'm running the fever, you know what I'm saying? I'm showing the, the manifestations in my body. My skin is this and that. My eyes are all jacked. My head won't stop hurting. I got the diagnosis. I want the prognosis. What can we do to get better? And so here it is. The diagnosis is in Genesis 3. The first element that we acknowledge is there is an unintended outcome. The pursuit of my purpose. You see, when the enemy came to them, he looked at them and says, basically, you are not all God intended. There are some gaps in your life that I can fulfill. That's what marketing does. That's what media does. It sells us on the idea that if I were to get this, I will be fulfilled. If I were to go there, I would be fulfilled. If I were to have this, I would be fulfilled. It sells me on the idea that there is something lacking in my life. This unintended outcome is based upon this. You shall not die. God knows that the day you eat of this fruit, you will begin to walk in your fulfillment. And the narrative says something very interesting. 
And the woman saw that the tree, not the fruit. So that's what we were talking about on Wednesday morning, that we get so much talking about the, the smaller thing that we overlook the bigger thing. We get so caught up talking about our problem, what we're lacking, we can't see the fullness of all that God has given us. And she saw that the tree was good for producing a quality of life ultimately without God. That was the first deception. You see, I have to ask myself the question, what's wrong with food? She saw that the tree was good for the production of food. What's wrong with food? Nothing. Unless there is something wrong with it. Because the antidote in Matthew chapter 4, so I'm basically holding two images up against one another as we call it theologically. Those are some of my students right there, Pastor Rich. Theologically juxtaposing <laughs> Genesis 3 with Matthew 4. Because Jesus says, man shall not live by food alone, but every word that proceeds from my father's mouth. So I ask you the same question that I asked the early service. Which tree are you eating from? The tree of the knowledge or the tree of life? Because you do know it was the tree of life that, that got him kicked out the garden. That he says, lest they should eat from this tree. They got to go. Because now the tree of life, as we sang this morning, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Our healer, redeemer, our risen king. That's the tree that brings the fullness of who God originally intended for us to be. That is what salvation is. To restore to original intent. That's a game changer. The unintended outcome is the pursuit of my purpose actually does bring death. And Jesus says, no, my father's word brings life. The second idea is an unfulfilling reality. My pain. You see, anytime deception comes into our lives, it always promises more than what it can give. I ain't through, though. But it always costs more than what you get. It's going to promise more than what it can fulfill. But it's going to cost you more than what you get. And that is an unfulfilling reality. The narrative says... Your eyes will be open. And it says when their eyes were open, they saw themselves differently. But check this out. And they saw each other different. 
It is an amazing thing when the life of God is in us. The life of God is sustained by love. When the life of God is in us, the narrative says perfect love casts out all fear. So now their very reality is unfulfilled. And they saw each other different for the first time. You're not like me. You know what that brought back? Loneliness. The more we focus on our differences, the lonelier we get. We just keep focusing on difference and difference and difference. You know what I found out? Through this whole series, series all summer, through all of these series, all Pastor Rich has been asking us to do is to turn our gaze from this to this. He keeps saying, look up, look up, look up. Look up. Look to him. The writer of Hebrews says, looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. Why do you keep looking down? Why do you keep focusing on those things? Love is the game changer. Their unfulfilling reality brought them so much pain that they focus on their difference. And so we ask ourselves, the woman saw that the fruit was good for pleasure. It was pleasing to the eye. So is there something wrong with pleasure? And I would say no. Unless there is something wrong with pleasure. You see, pleasure is something that demands our allegiance apart from God. And that's a lie. God is my pleasure and God is my wisdom. Jesus says, it is also written, the antidote. Doc, don't diagnose me, prognose me. It is also written, thou shalt honor the Lord thy God. Paul Woodruff calls that honor reverence. Having the right attitude that is revealed in the right response, evidence in the right behavior. You honor your pastor because he and she are honorable people. Not because you feel like it. I never served in the military past. I, I felt like it was a bad situation for me. Because I growing up, I had a bad thing with submitting to authority. So the military would have been a bad, they probably would have broke me. But they probably would have broke me. Because <laughs> I it, it was bad. Growing when you grow up fatherless, you every, everybody's a threat to you. Nobody has your best interest in hand. And surely somebody that you don't know who's going to make you do what you don't want to do. Maybe that's what's necessary. I don't know. I, I think what I'm hearing now, that whole culture is changing now. It's, wow. It's a man. But that, that, was, that was a moment in my life where I realized the reason why many of us fail is because we don't trust. We don't trust. We don't allow people into our lives because we don't trust. And that makes me lonely. He says here, honor 
brings healing, revealed in respect. And we dealt with that on a Wednesday morning. There is no honor because there is no respect. You got to learn to respect people, all people. The last piece is an unalterable condition. And the unalterable condition is my problem. What I found out, the more problems I have with other people, I'm just projecting my problems onto them. You the problem. You the problem. You're the problem. No, it's me. Remember I told you when I was going into room one by myself so God could show me myself? He didn't want nobody else around me. Our first responders were up and down the hall doing this. James and Joe, they, I mean, they, they just doing their thing like, hey, hey, I didn't know you was in there. You know what I'm saying? I had to be alone. It was my problem. The reason why I sat on that, that back row with my wife and my children, a broken man, a discouraged man, wasn't because of what somebody had done to me but what I had done to myself. I believed a lie. I started eating from that tree of knowledge and I had neglected and abandoned the tree of life. He just watched me. I know it broke his heart more than it broke mine because he knew that I had the desires of a son. Listen to what I'm about to say, but I didn't have the discipline of a son. My heart's desire was to be a son. But I didn't have the discipline of a son. And I told Pastor Rich last week when we talked, I said, I'm going to confess something to you. You know me for a long time. I'm going to confess something to you. I was pursuing God, but I never had submitted to him. I had never submitted my life to God. I was saved, but I wasn't surrendered. I wasn't surrendered. And it broke, it broke my heart to see it. Because I had to tell my wife, I told my wife, I lost my confidence in God because I put my confidence in myself. It was hard. That was so hard for me to say. I lost my confidence in God because I put it in myself. And I was lonely. Because now I have to be something God never intended for me to be. Listen to what I'm telling you. Loneliness will make you a slave. Because you can't tell nobody. And you get up every day. You put on your routine, and you'll do your routine, and you're a broken man. And my brother became my friend, who became my pastor. And he said, brother, you can heal here. You can heal here. And so here it is from me to you. 
The antidote to loneliness is intimacy. To know and to be known. You don't have to fake it here. Don't come here pretending. Come. Sit. Be. Worship. Heal. Intimacy. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor in a heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's intimacy. Community. Community is the gift of God in fullness. Where I can look around at people who don't look like me. Who don't talk like me. Who don't act like me. How about this? Who don't dress like me. And love them. He says, for the greatest commandment is this. Love your God and love others as you love yourself. I like that at GPC. I call that the no strings attached church. <laughs> Ain't got no strings attached. Thank you for coming. Intimacy. Community. Integrity. Go ye therefore and educate the world. Remember, education is an observable experience. It doesn't just change the world. It changes you. The goal of the Christian life is not to know God, but to live for God. That's the goal. Many spend their time trying to figure God out, figuring things out, and they wind up doing nothing. It's not until we actually begin to live in love for God through our service of others that we will actually come to know the God we worship. Loneliness is the product of a self-centered life that is only self-interested. Only when we take the challenge of Christ to deny ourselves that we truly find ourselves. Stand to your feet. And so I say to you as a word of challenge, and as a word of encouragement, if there was something God asked you to do, would you do it? Don't answer. If there was something God asked you to do, would you do it? If there was something God would ask you to say, would you say it? And if there was something God would ask you to go. Would you go? See, every nation church is not a monument. We don't worship the church. Every nation church is a movement. 
It's a movement that started in 1979 with the, a crusade in, in 1979 that ain't stopped. A bunch of college pastors left, got money, went over to Manila, Philippines and believed God was doing a work in Manila, Philippines in the midst of crisis. And it ain't stopped. Look at you. So the heart of what we are about, pastor told me before I left the office, he said, you home, be home. Thank you. He said, you home. You're home. And if you're home, you know what that said to me? You're a son. You are a son. You see what I'm saying? You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You're a son. And the heart of a son is to please the father. And now I can do it with joy. Because I ain't got to be lonely no more. I got a brother who became my friend, and now he's my pastor. And I couldn't say it two years ago. Two years ago, I just had a friend who said, Kelvin, come, sit, worship, heal, just be in this place. And so, Father, I pray over these precious souls, these amazing sons and daughters, that somehow as I look at my own life, and I kept wondering, why did it take you so long to bless Abram with a son? Maybe you weren't making a child. Maybe you were making a man. Maybe that's what you were doing. You are making a man who will become father and a father who will become a mentor who wouldn't speak of his own, but he would speak of the one who called him forward. So I pray for these amazing parents, the love that we have and the care that we have for our children. Give us wisdom. Give us courage and understanding. I pray for these amazing young adults, these precious young women and young men who are coming and filling their heads with this higher learning. That somehow, Father, they would discover that you are the source of our knowledge. You are the source of our understanding. Your word says, if anyone lack wisdom, let them ask of God who gives. And for these precious children, this generational church, that we so affectionately call Grace Point. That we can come into this space, be healed, and leave different. For this is the antidote to loneliness. And for that, we are ever thankful for your word fulfilled in Jesus Christ, God our Savior. Amen.